0: We are back on the Emergency Goalies podcast a short week because we went a little long last week, so there were only two games for us to recap this week, but they were uh, two good games. So, uh, Michael, I'll let you do a little recap.
1: Sure. We got a little bit of a revenge against uh, Joel Quenville and the Florida Panthers over the weekend. It was a Saturday game. Hawks ended up winning it 3-2. to two. Uh, Didn't. Didn't start off real great. Hawks fell behind. I didn't feel like they they came out real strong. But Jonathan Taves was able to to get a nice tip-in goal uh, kind of late in the first period to tie it up. And it ended up being kind of, uh, I thought, a a pretty even game overall between the two teams. Uh, Florida did end up... um, with quite a few more shots on goal, um, they did uh, they did probably end up with with more high danger chances than the Blackhawks in the game. Their 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 speed did uh, challenge the Blackhawks quite a bit, uh, especially uh, with the Blackhawks defense. But uh, Corey Crawford was was really good in the game, and uh, I would dare say even great in the game. And he kept the Hawks in it. Uh, they did take a, t- a two to one lead, and uh, thanks to Drake Kajula. And again, it was it was on a redirect. Uh, we kind of went over it last week, where the the Hawks kind of went through a stretch where they really weren't, you know, driving hard to the net, weren't going to the dirty areas. But this was a game where uh, that. The team did that, and it paid off for them. You know, they're the Blackhawks, so no lead is safe, and the the Panthers did end up tying the game up at two in the third period. But you know the the team played, I thought, a, a real good overtime, but they just they couldn't uh, couldn't. Uh, tie the game up, or I, I should, I'm sorry, not tie the game up, they, they, they couldn't put the game away at that point, but, boy, you know, they, you go to the, to the shootout, and the Hawks got two of the, the best shootout players in the history of the league, I think they're actually one in, I, I think I saw a stat after the game where they're actually first and third all-time in shootout goals, and, you know, it was the, it was the Taves and Kane show, uh, Taves just made a beautiful move, got a a backhand goal, and then Kane's Kane's effort was just as impressive. I'm not sure exactly why Florida wasn't using Victor Barkov as one of their first two, because that's kind of something that he's traditionally been really good at his shootouts. I thought it was very strange that they would get into a, a situation like this where especially after Tabe scored first and Crawford stopped uh, the first shot where, you know, they, it was a, a chance where Barkov wouldn't even get an, a, an attempt, and that's what proved to, to happen as uh, Crawford stopped Hoffman on the second go-around and Kane scored. So Hawks get two points out of it. I... I don't know. What did you have? Anything you wanted to add on this one? It wasn't. It wasn't the, the cleanest game, but uh, Crawford came up big. I mean, that,
0: well, yeah, that's the big thing you can take away is just Crawford was very good, and I should. We should add. You know, you're talking about uh, Taves and Kaner, two of the best shootout. You know, I would have to say Crawford is one of the best shootout goalies. There is. That's one point. of his strong suits.
1: Good it, point. Yeah. Good point.
0: Because on breakaways you know, I, and stuff like that, he's always been very solid.
1: Right, yes. And, you know, we, we saw early in the year the, the difficulties Robin Leonard would have in those situations. And it always was brought up by some folks saying, boy, would it even, would it even be better to just bring Crawford in cold for the shootouts somebody who's really good at this, even if he wouldn't be at his best in those situations, that he'd still be better than Leonard. But, you know, hey, in a situation like this, when you've got Taves and Kane and you've got Crawford, I I, I would say that the Hawks, is, Hawks' chances in a shootout are at least 60%. So Yeah, and I
0: just... You never... You, yeah, I was just going to add, too, that you're asking for some other thoughts. It's just, yeah, they... I think this was a pretty well-played game by the Blackhawks. I don't think you've got much to complain about. with their, They had a lot of effort, and they generated some yeah. good chances. And there's another big thing I was going to add, but it kind of was went over two games. So I'm going to let you recap the next one, because it was a big theme again in the next one, and I'll get to that in okay. a minute. But I'll kick it to you back for the Ducks game. Sure.
1: Yeah. The, the the Panthers game was, was, was definitely more of a, a back-and-forth affair. The Anaheim game, ever since the trade deadline, and I hear people bring up, oh, the Blackhawks should be tanking. The Blackhawks, it really doesn't do them any good to tank. With Taves and Kane and Crawford and the core pieces that they have, you know, even extending down to Kubalik and 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 that, they can't be as bad as some of the <laughs> the the lower echelon teams in the league. And you kind of saw that in this game. Anaheim is slow and they're uh, not very big either. They they just they're a really bad team. And while the Hawks can look like a bad team at times. They are a team, even with the couple of trades that they made, where they're still, you know, a fringe playoff competitive team, whereas the Ducks are just abysmal and in full rebuild mode. And that proved out over the course of the game. You could see the difference between the two teams. Uh, Drake Kajula uh, scored a nice redirect goal, Kirby Dock and Adam Boquist both made nice individual plays to get the assists. Uh, Both of those guys had very strong games. Uh, Kajula was also very noticeable, but being Drake Kajula, he also took a stupid penalty. I, I really wish I could totally buy into Drake Kajula being a potential future piece for this team, but... Every everyone, he just does the uh, every once in a while he does something that just completely aggravates me, and uh, it makes it a little more difficult for me. But he kind this of, was you kind of you know a good game. I was over. gonna say
0: he kind of reminds me a bit of Andrew Shaw, very similar type of where they can be good but they're frustrating. Not that Kujou is right. as good as Shaw, he, but
1: right, yeah, kind of a poor man Shaw. He doesn't he doesn't aggravate pl- the opposing team the way Shaw does, and. He doesn't have quite the scoring touch that Shaw does, but yeah, same same type of player where you got to take a little bit of the bad with the good. But in this game, at least the the good far outweighed the bad. He there was another play later in the game where he didn't get a point out, of, you know, they didn't score on it, but he just made a really skated really hard through the middle of the ice and generated a, a, a really good chance. Uh, but. Getting back to the to to the scoring, uh, Cajula's goal was the only one in the first period, and the game kind of stayed fairly close through the, the the beginning of the second period. Dylan Strom did score, breaking a uh, I think it was a twelve game goal scoring uh, slump. Finally, getting back on the board, it was a. Uh, uh, Shot by Keith from the point that got redirected wide of the net. And it it took a a fortuitous bounce off the end boards, came right to Strom, and he managed to be able to bury it. Uh, Boquist also got an assist on that. So, you know, like I said, he had a a nice game. Anaheim did uh, score a couple of minutes later to stay within striking distance. The Hawks kind of gave up a few uh, good chances to the Ducks early in the second period. But late in the second period, the Hawks really took over. And then from that point on, just completely buried the Ducks. Strom scored again uh, on a nice feed by uh, Lucas Carlson, who uh, triggered the play with a nice pass out of the defensive zone up to Patrick Kane it was Carlson's first career NHL point and then Strome or I mean sorry uh Kane was able to to make a nice cross ice pass to Strome set him up real beautifully so it was really nice to see Dylan Strome have a a good game and get back on the score sheet and then the same goes for the the guy that Comes up next in the scoring, which is Alex Nylander. Struggled a little bit in the first period, was really fighting the puck, and this is coming off of uh, it's like six or seven straight games where he had gotten less than ten minutes of ice time, and just uh, the the confidence really seemed to be going from him a little bit. But he got triggered on a play by Duncan Keith that which generated a three on one where Nylander was the trigger man and I first glance I thought oh no he he skated in too close and and didn't didn't pass the puck soon enough and he, he took away his own angle but he made a really nice backhand play to completely fool Gibson and he he, he buried it for his ninth goal so he it was a play where, yeah, he had plenty of time and space, but you could really see the, the silky smooth hands that he it has and that we would love to see him utilize a little more frequently. And then on the very, uh, I, I guess it wouldn't technically even be the next shift, on the same shift uh, after the faceoff at center ice, uh, he triggered Patrick Kane uh, on a, a nice play. Strom also got an assist on it. Kane scored his 29th. So Nylander got a couple of points uh, in about 20 seconds of ice time. And he finished like a plus three. That, that line, the Strom line with Kane and, and Nylander, just really took it to the Ducks in that period in particular. Nylander and Strom both actually had hit a post earlier in the uh, second period as well. So just, you know, three... Three straight goals, four total in the period for that that line. Anaheim did come up with a little bit of a push in the third, but the, the game was well out of hand. David Camp ended up scoring his eighth goal uh, late to really ice the game away. But this was just a it was a it was a dominant performance by the Blackhawks and just another strong effort from Corey Crawford who whenever the Ducks did generate a couple of high-quality chances. They they made a couple of pushes during the game, but Crawford was there, shut them down. 6-2 to two victory. Uh, I I'll guess I'll turn it back over to you. You said you had something you wanted to uh, kind of discuss over the, the course of these two games. Yes, um,
0: and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but uh, Adam Boquist is really, really starting to round into form. He had some, like, the... Uh, the Panthers game, that first goal was a terrific pass by yes. Boquist from the point and he had another play very much like that in the Ducks game. but And the defense is getting better, too. He had a back check on the chance right before that Nylander goal where it looked like the Ducks were going to get a high-quality chance going the other way, and he lifted the stick. I don't even remember which Ducks player it was, but to strip the puck and... Get it to Keith, who got it up for the three-on-one. But he's just played so much better the last few games that it's really got to be promising to see this from... You know, he's getting playing time now, but he's really starting to round in the form.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And you could put Kirby Doc right in that same category. Both of them are starting to impact the game. You know, Obviously, neither of them are finished products yet. They both... Are still undersized, uh, f- you know, for their frames. Both of them can uh, add significant weight as they physically mature here. Uh, but you know, their 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 hockey intelligence is showing through even as nineteen-year-olds in this league, and it's one of those things where once they they do mature in a few years those two guys could really be beasts. Um, Doc in particular, I think he's the type of guy who he, he could literally add 20 to 30 pounds of muscle over the next five years. And with his his hands and his defensive awareness and his reach, he he generates a lot of turnovers. He pressures the puck and... He's starting to become more assertive in the offensive zone, play with a little more confidence. And once, and he's already winning physical matchups at this point, he's winning some board battles, but that's even going to, you know, that's that's the part that's really going to take off once he gets a little stronger. So, yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to what he's going to be in a few years. Yeah, forward. and
0: you just, uh, I'll add on to the Boquist thing, too. is just, he's getting more confidence, too. You can tell. He's making these passes yep. in the offensive zone that are just unbelievable passes. So you can see where he's going to be. But on defense, too, he's getting to be very good with his stick. And you wonder if yes. playing with Duncan Keith, Keith is rubbing off yep, on him in Keith a good way. off.
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I had the same thought. And even though Keith was a much quicker... Skater with uh, higher top end speed, they are similarly sized guys that are going to have to play a a similar style. Um, the, uh, you know, Keith didn't ever physically dominate anybody. Bullquist is never going to be able to do that either. They're going. He he's, he just needs to get stronger on his skates, stronger with his stick, and in the meantime, he's starting to to learn how to lead with that stick, take away time and space from the opposition. And, you know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago where the number of plays that Keith and Jalmerson used to break up at their own blue line where they wouldn't let teams into the zone and they would take the puck away and quickly turn it back up ice. We're starting to see some flashes of that. From Boquist and 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 that's that'll be the sign for when he's ready to take things to the next level is when he starts doing that on a more consistent basis and and once that occurs that's when he'll really take off as a potential first pairing defenseman.
0: Yeah, and that's what you gotta pay attention for and and like you know obviously they're 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 young players so him and Doc they'll have right. good games and bad games and I'm not gonna lie it doesn't hurt to play the incredibly slow Anaheim Ducks to be able to break up plays if That helps, but, yeah, it's good to see
1: these guys getting more confidence. Absolutely, absolutely. So, And, you know, the same same, same goes for Nylander and Strom. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's still upside to those two guys. I know fans are a little frustrated with them, but... And, and it, it extends down to Dabrinkit even. I, fans are still uh, frustrated with Dabrinkit De despite, you know, the success he had his first two years. There, there's going to be ups and downs with these guys. Um, I mean, I've, I've mentioned I, I would be open to potentially trading Strom if the right deal came along, and that type of deal would either be for, uh, you know, a, a really speedy winger that could help the Hawks push the pace a little bit or for a young defenseman um, but beyond that I'm not I'm not looking to just dump Strom or Nylander or any of these guys just you know kind of stay the course with those guys and just try and maybe move out a couple of the, the veteran pieces in the off season to try and reconfigure some things and go from there and just see where it's at I mean we're not gonna. We can't go to full rebuild. We can't go to full tank. Uh, the, you know, the Taves and Kane, Keith. That they're gonna keep the Hawks out of the basement, and you just kind of try to. Got to do your best to try and develop some young players along with them, and and see where it takes you. And at least in the in. Over the course of the last few games, we're we're. Starting to see some positive progress from all of them, and that's something to hang our hats on. And it's and it's translating into wins. So Hawks got a lot of home games coming up. Yes, and, and I will maybe add. Maybe that'll...
0: Yeah, I will add. You know, the playoffs aren't going to happen. I mean, pretty much, you know, no. there's so many teams, but the Blackhawks schedule, like you were saying, gets significantly easier at the end of the year. I mean, they've got a lot of home games, a lot of games against. Some not very good teams. You know, they still got to play the Red Wings and the Kings. So they, they're they going to, they might have a little nicer record by the end of the year than, you know, you might think. But I don't think, playoffs are a pipe dream, but it does, the schedule does lighten up a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's probably pretty likely that they, rather than uh, finishing with the seventh or eighth worst record, which is what I think they currently have uh I think they probably slip down into that 10 to 12 range, pretty much in the same spot that they ended last year in. Um, now that's can be difficult because that's about where um, there's kind of a fall off in uh, the talent level uh, in the upcoming draft. So unless they completely luck out and win the lottery again like they did last year there's there there's a little bit of a concern if they if they win a few too many games but i'm not gonna you know complain about that like i said there's it's just it's not feasibly possible for them to you know finish with a top or with a top five pick outside of winning winning the lottery anyway so
0: yeah so i guess that's a good transition because we had a bit of a short week, only two games. And I mean, do you have any other, before I get to the preview, anything else you want to, so. yeah, the sake of like, I, I mean, I guess so. I could ask you about the new Carlson, the new defenseman, but you have any thoughts on him or.
1: I, I like his, his game, uh, smart player, much happier with him than I was with, um, Oh gosh, now I'm I'm trying to blank on his name, Uh, Dennis Gilbert. Oh yes, Uh, far more reliable player. Um, Makes plays with his head up, plays smart. He's got a very limited upside, unfortunately, just because he skates about as well as Olimata does, Um, and uh, in a similar. similar style of play to olimata honestly he will occasionally um you know throw his weight around a little bit to separate guys from pucks but it's not really a big part of his game plays heads up usually plays pretty smart but the skating is what's going to kind of hold him back so uh, if if the hawks enter next year with him as a sixth or seventh defenseman i would be absolutely okay with that i i I think he's a much better player than Dennis Gilbert is, so if it's a decision between those two guys for the the bottom of the roster next year, I'm uh, 100% in the Lucas Carlson camp.
0: All right. Well, then I guess we will get to the little preview then, because it's a three-game week for the Blackhawks, and they do have a back-to-back again. It's been a while since they had a back-to-back, but uh, here we are. Um, They play Thursday night, which is the day most of you will listen to this podcast, um, they welcomed Edmonton to the United Center at 7.30. And, well, the Blackhawks just played Edmonton, and they played them pretty close, but Edmonton, of course, won late, and I don't really have much more to add on that, but we you just saw Edmonton. And then the next night, they traveled to Detroit to play a team that, as if you can remember back a month ago when the Blackhawks played them, a team even worse than the Mighty Ducks. They are truly awful. Really bad. I mean,
1: if you want to talk about teams that the NHL has seen in a long time.
0: Yeah. If you want to talk about tanking, this is your tanking special, but uh, they go to Detroit at 630 on Friday to play the Red Wings and then they have a day off and welcome the St. Louis Blues to the United Center and that's a 630 start in Chicago at the United Center. Obviously, the Blackhawks and Blues have played some entertaining games this year, so that should be fun to watch. Anyway,
1: yeah, if it's a repeat of the last game, I I'd be completely fine with that. Even if the Blackhawks end up losing again, uh, like they did that that six to five game was highly entertaining. From what was that last week? I think it was.
0: Yeah. So, as as we're saying, you know, there's playoff chances is probably not good, if impossible, but. You can watch some of these young guys keep developing, and there is some exciting stuff going on with this team. So, and they're winning. That's yeah. always fun,
1: right? Yeah, and you know, to me, the silver lining if they do end up winning some games and dropping in the draft, or you know, whatever. I know a lot of people are will will be rooting for them to lose, but if they're winning games because the young guys are producing. There's really no downside to that. I mean, if if guys like Strome and Nylander put together a good 10 to 15 games at the end of the season, where Adam Bolquist and Kirby Doc continue to assert themselves, uh, there's no downside to that. That means you know that 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 means that your young guys are may, potentially turning a corner, maybe building themselves up, and and becoming potential core pieces sooner so that's what i'll be focusing on is how are the those five to six first or second year players really performing
0: yeah and that's you know it's something to look forward to Mm -hmm. so as always i'm sth85 on twitter michael is mj underscore ernst yep and as always you can uh you know you know, get our podcast on the Apple podcast app or on Twitter. I always post it on Twitter. Uh, if anyone has any other place they like to listen to podcasts or whatever, easier, just let us know and we'll do it. But in until our next episode, uh, everyone, thank you for listening.